Hello and welcome to Cherry Stem number 25, the ABCs of approach, bravery, and confidence. Now before we start our podcast, I'd like to take your attention for a minute and point it at the screen and at the Patreon link that is on there, and specifically at the challenger mode tier. It is a mode, a reward level, if you will, that allows you to hang out with us after this podcast and a hangout chat. It's a video chat where we can talk about what we talked about on the podcast uh, and generally just shoot the shit and you guys can ask us questions and we have some follow-up articles and things like that we're going to look at. So if you'd like to support the stream, if you'd like to support this podcast and see more of it in the future, please check out patreon.com slash and pledge to the challenger mode tier. We're going to talk about some stuff today, and it's going to be awesome. So this actually comes, uh, the idea for this actually comes from one of our uh, patrons there at uh, patreon.com slash Cherry, and it has to do with, the question anyway had to do with uh, approach anxiety and how to deal with that sort of thing. So we decided to create an entire podcast episode around this topic. And we're going to tell you how to deal not only with approach anxiety, but also how to cultivate bravery, which will ultimately lead to confidence. And that's all that, you know, all of us want that here, uh, right? Yes? Maybe? I don't know. I'm not feeling confident about my answer. <laughs> so, um, all right. Uh, before we begin get getting into the, the meat of it, is there anything in particular you'd like to say? Uh my lovely yeah. co-host Richard Rolf. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, no, I think just the uh, the whole. I think we'll get into a lot of it, and I know you've you've done uh, more preparation on this. I'm, I've I've done talks on this uh, in the in the past, and so uh, yeah, I know you have some specific stuff that you wanted to uh, to bring in, and so I'm looking forward to uh, some some new stuff to, uh, added to it. So. And I'm looking forward to your wealth of knowledge because a lot of this information came to me from you. So. Yes. <laughs> So if anyone's qualified, experience in it, yeah. if anyone's qualified, it is you. <laughs> well, even the specific research that I will get into about uh, dynorphins and capoeiras and stuff like that is oh, yeah. Okay, right. yeah, all of that good stuff. Um, all of that sort of came I to me. I forgot we were going to get into that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do the planning for these, and then I just rope them into talking with me about it. <laughs> so, um, all right. So what I want to start off with um, is make sure that I have chat. Okay, good. Yes, I do. All right, how about that, guys? That that should have uh, really improved <laughs> the sound or the volume. So, RIP your ears. That that may be uh, maybe too much. So so turn down your your headphones if you need to. Um, so let's talk about happiness because really that's what it's all about. Uh, why why do we want to cultivate? Um, any of these things. Why, why do we care about dealing with approach anxiety and being brave and having confidence? What is that all for? Well, it's for accomplishing your goals. It's for going after things that you want. It's for changing your life. It is to be happy. Uh, but uh, I have a, a wonderful quote here that is, uh, there is no way to happiness. Happiness is the way. And you've probably heard the, um, you may have heard um, a, a line similar to that. Um, a lyric, lyrical, poetic sort of 
adage that um, you know happiness is like a bird the more you chase it the more it flies away and then when you're not paying attention to it it, uh, it lands on your shoulder well I guess then happiness is a cat <laughs> catchiness happiness all right speaking of cappiness we're gonna get into some cap opioids and it's my favorite topic but I will I will ease you guys into this one so we'll, we'll start off slow that uh, and and so basically you're saying happiness is an asshole yes okay. <laughs> now I'm trying to say that there is no there's no magic pill or secret lock that you can open and suddenly everything's happy no happiness is a way of living it is a way of looking at the world it is a daily process is, is what I take from that and uh, of course we you know dopamine uh, which is one of the, the key molecules of happiness it activates neurological networks of confidence creativity and problem-solving even our ability to stave off illness is significantly increased when we're happy now you or someone you know maybe is probably on anti-anxiety meds currently the World Health Organization predicts depression to be the largest global health burden by 2030. And uh, another element that helps us, um, that sort of ties into all of this, is the that I want to introduce to you guys, uh, or to elevate if you already are familiar with it, the concept of neuroplasticity, which is the constant wiring and rewiring of neurons. And neuroplasticity helps us train our brain. So. Is that's what I mean by happiness is a way that there is it's a process it is a daily training of thoughts and thoughts lead to behaviors and how that all occurs is through neuroplasticity and there's some really cool that's links. how change occurs that's how you get to where you, you have to be uh, you know if you're not currently happy then obviously you have to be willing to change because happiness comes from your brain in other words there's uh, you know, you may think of happiness as coming from the outside, but uh, the, the truth of the matter is the chemicals that are being released and the, uh, the experience is actually created inside your head and understanding that happiness comes from the inside and that you have some power over uh, what is released in your brain is a, is a very powerful tool for understanding and kind of taking responsibility for your experience. Uh, and I think that's what you're kind of getting, getting at there. Uh, my favorite quote, actually, uh, in fact, this may be my life quote, other than be the change you want to see in the world, or be the porn you want to see in the world, <laughs> is um, life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you react to it. But if you don't have the proper tools or uh, mentalizations or literally physically changed neurons or responses of proteins in your brain, then you will not necessarily react in the best way. So what this podcast episode is going to be all about is to help you find ways to retrain your brain and gain the benefits that come from these particular things that I will be mentioning as well as the scientific evidence behind them as to you know a lot of them are, are gonna sound uh, hippie wooey as as all get out but I have science to back it up and uh, patreon.com slash Anna Cherry is a great resource for this podcast. Uh, I know you see a website link on the screen right now, but if you go there, it's sadly quite empty uh, besides the, the Patreon links, uh, simply because I've been too swamped to, <laughs> to um, get to that website yet. Uh, but I have been uploading all of these to Patreon, and they are public. They uh, Each episode podcast is an audio file. There is an RSS link on the front page of Patreon that you can plug into a podcast player of your choice, and that will give you all of the episodes as well as keep you informed when new ones come out. 
And so all of the research and science and the information that we will be giving you will be in the Patreon post for this podcast episode. And it should come out before the end of the month on Patreon. So go ahead, check out patreon.com slash answer. Favorite it, bookmark it. Um, if you can't pledge, just go ahead, favorite it and bookmark it. And then uh, keep an eye on the public posts. Follow it if you can. And uh, once the post will come out, you will have uh, access to all of these um, details that we'll be talking about, all the, all the research. So obviously right off the bat, when we were kind of starting with a, a presumed axiom that everyone should uh, uh, pick up at some point, but it, it's uh, it's really one of those ones that for some reason is kind of counterintuitive until you've been around a while, I suppose. I think a lot of uh, kids and things like that don't understand that you um, that you that if you want to change your experience, you have to change yourself. And, and that's really a lot of, uh, all of us spend a lot of time raging at the world around us you know trying to get it to fit into a box that will make us happy and and it really just doesn't even really work like that now uh there there is some level of that of course but the, the point is that by changing if you want to if you want to change your experience you have to change yourself and then what's cool is from there when you change yourself you do change the world around you and uh and i think that's kind of the uh the direction that you're going here. I just kind of wanted to recap on that. Oh. Um, well, uh, sorry, I, I, <laughs> I ran out of runway there. I know you wanted me to continue forward. Um, I just have a, a, a great quote, and I, I would hate to have dead air while I, while I find it, but it's, you know, speaking of change, and I kind of briefly touched on this in the Honey Badger uh, radio episode um, on Thursday, but it has to do with um, this concept that we're all one, we're all connected, because, I mean, think about it, you know, you're not completely self-sufficient. You, you rely on uh, 10,000 different people to do their job, millions of people, actually, to um, do their job every day, and just when you step outside, there's you know millions of interactions that uh, can affect your day, like the butterfly effect. You know, somebody scaring uh, a butterfly flying off of a of a leaf will scare a snake or have a snake or a frog, yeah, frog jump at it. And a snake goes after it, and that scares some cattle, and they they create a a dust storm that rises up in the atmosphere, creates a a storm that comes across the ocean, and, you know, you think that you made the choice to go to work, but somebody slams into you from the side because a butterfly flapped its wing in Japan. Yeah, so, I mean, there there is a level of of understanding how much the world is just kind of happening to us and how there is a, uh, there's only so much, uh, you know, we can... We can do and then yeah yeah man plans god laughs mm-hmm. uh sort of thing yeah and and of course you know speaking of god um there i have found the quote by octavia butler uh which is uh all that you touch you change all that you change changes you the only lasting truth is change god is change that's an neat quote mm-hmm. um but anyway, yeah, yeah. This it's so. The point is, is that it's really um, embracing change. Whenever you look at, you know, why why does an animal die in the first place? You know, why is it? We we found that uh, that um, you know death is is programmed into animals, and basically they they have a have a self destruct timer set to the period of time at which their specialization, uh, the the environment will have changed too much for their for how much they have specialized to their circumstances. So it's basically animals have have kind of uh they've got this this dead man switch to where once they've over specialized and stopped adapting 
basically they die off so that the younger generation can be more adaptive and it comes down to that the, because the reality is constantly changing you have these systems that have developed to uh to match that constant change and and so you know of course we, we want to instill the, that same kind of uh, habit of changing ourselves and and, and uh, adaptiveness. I mean, you kind of have to go in cycles. You can't, you know, be 100% just, uh, you know, flailing all over the place. And you also can't just railroad yourself into one, you know, putting all your eggs in one basket when it comes to the way that you change your, your mentality. There has to be sort of a balance. And the best way to have a balance is not some crappy middle, but kind of uh, shifting back and forth between, you know, the, these uh, values, but you know, that are... Um, somewhat in opposition of each other yes yeah, so how how do we how do we begin how do we begin because i mean that's that's really what what spurred this um okay so let's go back to it yeah go back is, to the, the the front of it the, the the whole point is uh for uh, approach anxiety and things like that and everybody this gets down to yeah like if you if you know anybody you know somebody on anxiety meds it's kind of funny how much it, it's it's ubiquitous now uh you just you, i, I constantly it's like is everybody on anxiety meds it's kind of uh kind of amazing how many people are being medicated and, and i mean i understand why there's a lot of changes in, in our society and the way that things have happened with technology and social media and the way that we you know media yeah media in general the way that we interact now has just been changing faster and faster and faster and we you know we really um you know our our uh human genetics really aren't keeping up and so so we're trying to plaster over the the gaping holes that we're leaving but uh it's not really working all that great and of course um, we we haven't adapted to um being on a public stage at all times is what social media does while simultaneously being exposed to people's doctoring of their lives in order to be appealing be more presentable more marketable the the, the whole media yeah. corporate marketing all of that sort of ball um has yeah, left so a deep you yeah know, a uh, deep wound because we're yeah, all becoming more and more separated instead of uh, instead of our, our communications allowing us to be come together more and have closer relationships we end up getting you know much uh, we I, I think what it is is that there's a lot of kind of it's like the sugary sweets kind of communication. We can take no risk. 280 characters. Right. We can take no risk and get this quick, you know, reward that is not lasting, but is something that is uh, just kind of... Sometimes just scrolling through aimlessly, uh, it, it brain response to novelty. Novelty right. itself gives you a dopamine. I think it's not just that. I think it's also kind of a trick as in like it's a faking of social interaction that without the social bond that gives you uh, a feeling of confidence in the world whenever you can look at who who am I connected with and how am I in, in my life and things like that that you you get that you know you're if you think about the way the evolutionary system would develop to make sure that we socialize and that we get the bonds that are necessary, there are these interactions with people that would occur and that we would be driven by dopamine to go after those specific types of interactions. But then those interactions are supposed to then culminate in some relationships. And if you think in a small tribal area, you know, that kind of thing, you, those interactions will lead to people, you know, actually forming some bonds. But here, because we have all, all the social media, what, what we're doing is we're we're being driven to tr to do the interaction that starts the bonding phase, and then there's never any follow up because it's it's so risk free, and so therefore we end up you know I think that's how we end up so disconnected specifically. But that's but, a really really good point. Uh, but you know something you you uh, you mentioned as well as what I'm seeing um, from from chat is speaking of social media essentially. Um, 
I would like to talk about uh, a flip side or to address some concerns and to, um, to sort of talk about the fear of approaching women in particular. And I don't mean a fear that comes from inside of you uh, because of low confidence, but I mean the fear that comes from the repercussions that men face by approaching women in the current climate in the Me Too you know, era and all of that. And I would like to point out to you that a lot of, first of all, the amount of people, amount of men who have been affected by such as losing their house, their job, their life, all of that scary stuff, the number of men that have actually gone through that is like 10 out of millions. And that's part of the problem of focusing on or be, being fed a diet of a particular mentality, having an echo chamber that amplifies the bad experiences that men have with women. Thing is, though, if you think about it, how many, even though the celebrities... I, I'm, I'm not sure I understand. I'm, what, I'm just this, trying to this, say that... This, the, uh, uh, the number of people who did what is 10? What? Number of men who have lost their lives, their jobs, their livelihood, their sanity, their everything because of approaching the wrong woman and then going to jail for it or whatever. Oh, and just... No, that's... That is, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm trying to say that... that just the approach. Okay, you're saying that, yes. that just an approach... Just coming hello. up to someone and just saying hello will not send you to jail. Yeah, usually yes. not. Yes, celebrities... <laughs> there's so many celebrities that have been lambasted in yeah. public for questionable sexual misconduct. Point is, they didn't go to jail. Nobody right. arrested them. Yeah. No, it's just a... You're, you're it's to, yeah, you're more likely to, to die from falling out of your bed. So yeah. Exactly. You're way more likely to, to lose everything by becoming addicted to prescription medicine that your doctor gives you than by approaching a woman to say a simple hello. Okay? Right. So there are definitely, def, definitely levels of uh, behavior that is Punished. Um, See, I wasn't sure what mindset you were dealing with there. You're talking about the people who are looking at their fear of approach and, the, and then the excuses that go around that, which are specifically that you can get in so much trouble now and, and the today's, you know, uh, environment of everything, you know, is harassment, everything is rape, everything is, you know, uh, men are evil, that, that sort of environment is what you're yes. kind of, yes. uh, that's the mindset that you're And of, of course, uh, whenever uh, we do see uh, men lambasted and destroy their reputation, their careers, their um, schooling, just destroyed by interaction with women, it's always based on sexual activity. So literally approaching someone to say hello um, or smiling at someone or whatever, yeah, some harpy may take a YouTube video about it and, and yell at you on the internet, but once again, if you cut off all internet and move to the Amazon, that's not going to matter. I know you're not going to do that. You do have to live in this world. You do have to, you know, sort of, if you get doxxed or things like that, you will be affected by it. But I'm trying to say, I, I think at the core of it, you're not going to die from yeah. it. Yeah, well, of course. Uh, and, uh, and it is good to, to kind of go back over that and, say, and notice that to yourself. So, you know, so whenever those weird little, you know, excuses pop up that you can, you know, address them. But I think it's, it, it's, um, there's something greater to it than that. I mean, everybody has some level of approach anxiety. And, uh, there is a specific thing with men that, you know, if you, if you think about it, you, you know, once again, go back to the whole small tribe of people. Um, Pre-selection is found in all, all throughout animals, like, for instance, with mice. Um, a, a pre-selected male, one that has been, uh, that is bred with, uh, with other females and therefore has the smell of other females on him, um, will, uh, even if it has, okay, so there, there are some diseases that mice can detect through scent, and uh, a, a female mouse will actually 
uh, prefer the diseased pre-selected male over the non-diseased uh, male that has not been pre-selected. So there is a uh, part of why, why do animals do this pre-selection process? Because it's basically, it's how you find consensus. I mean, think about what, uh, you know how anybody uh, thinks finds any truth. A lot of times it is really dependent upon the group looking at it. How many people have looked at this problem and found out whether or not it is really true? I mean, even even the idea of science itself, we say it's just about, about empiricism. It's just about empiricism. Yet, how many of us have done all those experiments ourselves? How many of us have literally seen absolutely every one of those experiments personally in front of us? Not many of us, I can tell you that. And uh, and if you think that you have, you're lying to yourself. But the point is that you're basing it on the idea of consensus that a lot of people have looked at it. And so therefore, animals have developed this system as well. And that's where pre-selection comes from. Females are basically trying to, to use the group mechanic to determine the value of something. And so that's why you see... How does that relate? Why is that? Because once they, once they do not... Um, uh, select a certain male then basically they're showing that male is not valuable so whenever you screw up an approach you've been rejected they tell the group or, or they see that your the brain group tells sees you it. they're gonna and, and so therefore it is a it is a fear of uh basically being um shown to the group as not a valuable male because right. then once once the group especially if you have a very small group comes to the consensus that this is not a valuable male because this one's rejected this one's rejected this one is rejected the consensus is now that this male it, it should not be given breeding breeding rights uh, and so that's that's kind of how how animals do it so there is sort of this this basic you know, fear uh, for breeding that, that, you know, we actually uh, have in us as well. Yes, and I'd definitely like to get right back to that, but before we go into actual approach anxiety, um, actual bit of it, I would like to still go back to the concept of fear because we, that's what is sort of driving a lot of these excuses or these things that are coming up. And yeah, okay, so what if you say hello to the wrong person and get banned from doing cosplay permanently? First of all, that's impossible to do. You can't be banned from doing cosplay permanently. You can be banned from a convention. Also, for saying hello, come on now. Recognize that these are excuses that your brain is feeding you because it is trying to justify the fear. On top of that, yeah, I have been banned from places from doing cosplay. And what do I do? Fucking soldier on anyway. Uh, with the help of my patrons, with the help of a community, and I'm trying to build myself. But otherwise, it's just the two of us. I Thankfully. Thankfully, I have Richard Rall for support. But yeah, fear is powerful. I, it, even I have approach anxiety as a woman. Women are theoretically able to do pretty much anything, but that does not stop fear. So a lot of these things, these reasons that are coming up in your mind why not to approach, they are fear-based validations of behavior that are not necessarily rooted in reality. Right, and you have to start, if you're going to change yourself, one of the things you have to do is start finding your excuses, because that's that's how you keep from changing, is you tell yourself you couldn't do anything different, and if you can't do anything different, why would you ever change? So the biggest, uh, you know, the biggest enemy of change is excuses, or you can call them reasons if you like, it doesn't really matter. Sure, it's a reason. Why does that matter? If if there is a strategy that can help you in the future, it doesn't mean it doesn't matter if your your reason was valid. None of that matters. What matters is the future. What matters is the strategy that will accomplish your goal, which is if your goal is to become happier and become more um, engaged in a community or whatever more it is, open, more open, more, more confident. More confident. I mean, basically, what goes back to being happier. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's 
then then that's what you need to look at and stop giving a shit about you know oh I had good reason because because uh, you can you can sit there and and keep looking at you know all of these ideas of oh I don't want to risk this don't want to risk that but uh, without without risk there is no reward I I think uh, one of the things that um, a lot of very intelligent uh, people have risk aversion as part of um, the reason why they became intelligent. Uh, and uh, now bear with me for a moment here, but basically one of the things that they found is sometimes children who've been uh, either abused or uh, gone through extreme stress as a child, what happens is the fear response actually increases uh, the brain's uh, adaptation uh, in a certain way where basically you try to learn more. Uh, there is an increase in, uh, you know, it's like if, you're, if your environment is dangerous, then you really need to be looking out for danger and trying to, to find it and find ways around it. And so I, I think sometimes a lot of um, more intelligent people actually are more fearful than they necessarily should be. Um, and yes. uh, yeah, so uh, it actually goes right back to what I want to talk about, the, the fear aspect of um, the and there's actually there's stuff having to do with the amygdala and the way that you know everything from the, I mean there's there's other neuroscience that I don't want to get into that that links these things together. I'm just want, want to point out there are other pathways by which this idea of fear and uh, in, intellect being somewhat um, uh, linked together. I mean, if you want to call upon something that's more kind of pop psychology, you can look at the fact that uh, the whole idea of nerds and how a lot of times they are, you know, uh, portrayed as meek in a certain way, and so uh, homebodies and, a bit, and, and, and a bit, you know, homebodies and fearful, and and, and there, so there is kind of this this trade off that you know you uh, you may gain some. Uh, some intellect by having bad experiences as a child, but then you, you, be, you know, and that may make you a, a problem solver. It may make you somebody who is really good at, um, you know, coming up with systems and troubleshooting, troubleshooting and trying, you know, avoiding, you know, mistakes. planning and avoiding <laughs> mistakes and things like that. But then what happens is that becomes an obsession that, that into perfectionism. And perfectionism is this idea that you can, that you can solve the problem 100% and it's completely a faulty. Uh, idea that that kind of creeps in. It's like I think about the idea. It's like, oh, well, you just, you know, if you want to avoid attacks, well, you just need to build a, a nice, big, strong castle. But the thing about it is, no matter how strong a castle you build, there is an army that will be large enough to destroy that castle and kill you. And so, therefore, the better the safety that you thought was the castle is actually the danger, and the danger of leaving the castle and going out somewhere and, and, and therefore having anonymity as a king or whatever is actually the safety. And you'll find there's lots of these places where, where the our idea of what's the the careful route, what's the what's the safety is actually the danger and understanding that a lot of your your holdbacks against things and not taking risks that you are you are taking risks by not taking risks um, understanding that's where you know everything from investments and things like that there's always there's risk inherent because that is how you find safety is through risk because the world is always changing uh, and so you know, it's just kind of um, you know tr kind, of, kind of trying to, to push that into your head and say okay all this risk aversion that I have is actually leading me into danger um, is that's kind of one of the first steps of, of recognizing uh, some of the things that can go wrong and, and looking for your excuses and looking for where it is that you're constantly telling yourself that there's nothing about you that needs to change. I don't need to change anything. I don't need to change anything. Everyone's constantly telling themselves that. Sorry. 
Just trying to make sure uh, I keep up with Super Chats uh, for those people who would like to have their uh, comments right on stream. Ah, okay. Um, so, yeah, so you, your, your biggest enemy, uh, if you're attempting to change, is those, those things that feel really comfortable. You're just certain. You don't need to do anything different. It wasn't your fault. It doesn't matter if it wasn't your fault. The, you, there is a way around. There is another strategy. There is something that, yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty. And there's this goes back to, I mean, I don't want to get into... Girdle, uh, girdle incompleteness theorem and yeah, either, let's not. You know, but the funny thing is they're they're at the very what i do want to point out is that at the very basis of game theory and and things like that some of these some of these questions that are very broadly applicable applicable have been shown to um yeah, you can you can find where there is hard science to back them up. I, I guess that's the only way I can uh, I can just vaguely talk about it instead of getting into something really technical because that's that's one of the problems is that sometimes we get into well, I get into too technical of <laughs> digressions and and so that that gets that it's too technical. But the the point is that there are um, uh, understanding your um, your own drives and, uh, and 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 there are unsolvable problems in other words they can only be solved um, in the circumstance let me give you a, a good example that i really like that's one of my favorites is in developmental biology as dna dna is not like a direct plan type of program what instead happens is the dna is altered by local circumstances and that that changes what a given cell will as it goes from being a pluripotent cell into a more specialized cell, the specialization is guided by very local circumstances. And so the DNA, it's not just the DNA doing the work, it is the circumstance also doing the work. Now, you could say, well, the, the DNA created the circumstance, but then you're kind of asking, did the, did the water, uh, you know, carve out a riverbed or the, did the riverbed guide the water? And there's a, there's a feedback loop there that you have to look at. Mm -hmm. So anyway. Yeah, so back to, I'm um, not really sure how to segue into the, um, the fear thing that we were talking about earlier, but um, as, you know, we mentioned a variety of ways in which we have this sort of instinctual response to fear. And then we also went further than that and, and talked about how uh, intelligence um, can arise from negative experiences and be linked with fearfulness, therefore. So not only on an uh, instinctual level we have fear, but there's also on sort of the next level up, the intellectually, uh, there may be fear. Um, so, of course, um, we are wired to be wary of new experiences, uh, which says organizational behavior researcher Keith Rolag, who is a management professor at Babson College and the author of uh, What to Do When You're New, How to Be Comfortable, Confident, and Successful in New Situations. I have not read the book, but the excerpts excerpt from it are pretty <laughs> cool. So, quote, from an evolutionary standpoint, trying new things for much of human history could have been dangerous. Your performance can have a big impact on your situation, on your status. And of course, in turn, status affects our ability to get the resources we need and to get the mates we need. And back to what you were, you know, describing with pre-selection and this idea of social approval leading to your literal survival. So for our far back ancestors, not looking dumb was an issue of survival very directly. So. All of this means that deep in our, uh, quote, deep in our brains, there is a primeval fear of looking bad, 
a fear of not performing as well as others, Rawlag explains. Quote, one of the challenges with new hobbies is the fact that you're meeting new people, new groups, new experiences, and that triggers a lot of that anxiety we have about being the newcomer. End quote. So fear is natural. Uh, it's part of being human. It's part of being a primate. Uh, but enjoyment will come as fear fades. And so how do you do that? Uh, well, I say, first of all, realize that no one is paying attention to you. And I don't mean that in a mean way, uh, that you have no friends. But no, I, I'm talking about the spotlight effect, uh, which is our tendency to believe that all eyes are on us, when in reality, everyone else is busy with their own spotlight effect. Everyone else is busy thinking that all eyes are on them. So nobody's really paying any attention to you uh, in, in a way. In general. I mean, in general. On, on occasion they are, but for the most part, the, it, the, there's a general feeling of always being paid attention to that's that's not very real exactly uh, and it's a you know uh, amplified by uh, social media uh but uh, i i found it, it it's sort of a, one of those tricks of imagining everyone's naked uh well uh for me it's been um helpful to deal with approach anxiety and just in general social stress is to understand that everyone is perceiving everything through a a little reflective glass box of self uh, so they are everyone's thinking about themselves and their experience and and their reactions and their feelings and they're not really they're not really thinking of you they're not really looking at you they're they're kind of preoccupied with with themselves um, that is just the climate we live in currently um, as we mentioned in the beginning there is this disconnectedness and and self focus that has uh, been given fuel yeah. uh, by social media um i'd kind of like to go through there's uh there's sort of a process that i i've taught to a few people that they've found um helpful and that is like uh one of the first steps in a process is um is actually giving up in a certain way now i don't mean i mean like not moving forward type of giving up but giving up the idea of uh that you're going to be able to make it work without without things going wrong and because that's basically where it comes from, where that all the anxiety comes from, is you're really trying your best to control the circumstances. You there's like this, it's like you're in a vehicle that's veer, that that the steering wheel's loose and and the 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 pedal is stuck, and you're just trying your very best to control it. And sometimes you just need to bail out of the vehicle. Um, you know, it's you, you metaphorically speaking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, and the so the the, the um, and that's kind of what is going on when you're when you really get in this idea of trying to control the circumstance of your social interactions and trying to make it work just right and control how people see you and you know uh, and that's what it's really about is that's why why you're anxious you're trying to make sure that it that it works out right now um, you know a lot of this stuff is going to be easier said than done but. Um, there's a there's a gets easier with practice right uh, there's a way in which you can kind of come to not give a shit about what people think that isn't a malicious not giving a shit now that's the difference is there there one of the first steps that a lot of people try to take you know when they're uh, you know dealing with social anxiety and things like that is to to kind of hate people uh, because you know if that if you hate them then you might not care as much about what they think 
and uh and sometimes that's like a necessary first step for for kids for you know and especially some like teenagers and things like that maybe that's you know maybe that's kind of necessary for them maybe that's why teenagers are assholes yeah exactly (laughs) uh because they've been thrown into a situation where social is everything uh and it's it's very um you know everybody knows that, that the hell of high school i don't need to explain it um so so there's this difficulty of trying to get where it's not that you don't care it's just that you you give up on the idea that people are going to really understand your situation well that they're going to be uh capable of properly empathizing and understanding your situation and walking a mile in your shoes and just they just can't uh and right that's what i mean by the the self the box of self and so therefore and neither can you and that's the big thing is if you can understand that you're gonna fuck up your ideas about you know it was your whole idea of what a person is going through and how easy it is for them to do whatever all if you can realize that that's complete bullshit then you can start to not care about other people's bullshit ideas as well in a certain way and just be like yeah okay whatever uh, you're going to have wrong ideas about me and it just doesn't matter there's there's one of the things that is uh helpful you know <laughs> a lot of a lot of the anxiety comes from not being able to get out we've got all these you know work from home opportunities we've got all these things where we just never really connect with with people or we work in a you know we stack in boxes in a warehouse you know you don't you very rarely are interacting with a lot of people uh and, and one of the things that uh some people i know who um who once kind of tried to do various things to overcome approach anxiety was to embrace the giving up. Now, I think that's part of where the class clown thing comes from as well, where a, a high school kid just starts, uh, you know, a lot of times people thought it was just for attention, but I think in a certain way you'll, you'll find that it's a, a lot of self-deprecating humor and things like that. It's kind of like, yeah, so what? Give me your worst. I don't care. Uh, you know, you think I'm worthless, ugly, stupid, fat, whatever. I don't give a shit. Why does it matter? I do too. And what, is it, what does it matter? And you know, matter? that is a, just for a moment, that is sort of, we are talking to men. This is, I mean, women, if women can gain help from this, and I'm sure some, you know, women that are slightly more masculine or those who are a little different and don't fit in into the normal, because girls have the social stuff easier. Uh, they, they, they sort of can meld together and, and understand what people like and want and what they want them to say a little easier well, than guys men, do. Their mental toolkit is, is aimed in that direction. Right. Guys. So this is mostly for men and, you know, alternative women. So um, talking to men, there definitely is a hostile environment of go off and die somewhere else. Yes. <laughs> you mean when men are talked to is, yes is what yeah when men are being told to go off and die somewhere else there's no place for you here leave yeah and there's also uh men who refuse to be dragged into the regressive uh direction that uh, some of the the left and the right is taken right now and so you know they feel their community's leaving they feel nobody's there for them they feel like nobody cares and sort of what you were saying is this element of yeah you hate me well so what you know, right. so because how do you deal with this idea of feeling like everyone just wants you to leave and not be there? And that's the and that's the point is you have to get to the point where you realize that you're sort of the same way to a certain extent. Also, in other words, where you want the best of people and you don't want to deal with their bullshit. That's just the truth. Yep. Everybody has bullshit and you don't want to deal with it. And so 
they have the same about you and you have bullshit that they don't want to deal with but here's the thing you want the best of other people and now you got to realize they also want the best of you in other words they want your good times they want that just like everybody has that same sort of and you know what there's really not a whole lot wrong with that just because people are a bit selfish you know what wanting food is selfish we have needs Reproducing uh, is selfish. <laughs> right. There's you, there's a there's a level of selfishness that isn't like uh, you know a black hole. It's not a there's a level of selfishness that is simply you know it's harmonious with the way that reality has it's to survival, work. You know, yeah. it's just and so yeah, they're gonna the people are gonna want to just only have the best of you to a certain extent, and it is selfish, and it is, and and if you're and the closer that partner is, the more they should be accepting of of those things and your bullshit and and dealing with you know the ways in which you'll kind of bump into them and inconvenience them and that's kind of there's a shared inconvenience you're supposed to be you know uh working towards as uh you know in being different human beings but if you can realize that yeah uh, uh, that you can focus on what people like about you instead of focusing on what people dislike about you and realize that everybody has that and recognize everybody is going through that that it's easy to notice what people dislike about you that's that's it's right there in your face it hurts you you remember it you kind of you can dwell on it and you don't want to you know you don't really you want that to be gone and the truth of the matter is it's not going to be gone but you can make it less you can take the sting out of take it take the impact out of it yeah. by not focusing on it by instead focusing on the fact that there are things about you that people like whether it be your humor whether it be whatever it is there are there are always even just little things and here's the thing what's wrong with improving and increasing the things about you that other people like when that will give you reward as well very good point because as we we're talking about women having a uh, women in general having a, a a greater toolkit when it comes to dealing with people try being like that as in what do women do they smile they're usually nice they approach you in a sweet way they they do the sort of sweet thing uh, a cooperative thing of you know talking to people trying to be friendly finding out their name asking about their kids and, and but here's the thing a lot of people are immediately gonna be like oh I just want you you just want me to be conformist and just have stupid worthless small talk with people at all times and just constantly do whatever you know anybody wants and agree with the crowd at all times and, and that's not real that's that's taking it too far uh, I mean yeah there is some there, there is You've got to find your level of how much you're going to uh, give away of your uniqueness in return for the comfort that for the comfort that you will give other people and how much that will give you in return. And you just have to understand that. Here's the thing: one, we always try to we always tend to look at things with as as though they only have one side. Like, for instance, uh, you know, the idea that a, uh, you know, why animals do the things they do is, is for maximizing their genes, for instance. And so, therefore, whenever a, uh, a, a female mammal is breastfeeding its, its offspring, it is selfishly, because that's what it's doing, is it's, it's, it wants to improve its... its uh, Longevity, survival. It's long, it's exactly, the, the survival of its genes and its family and things like that. And so you can stare at that and you know make it everything seem cold and dead, or you can look at the fact that there is a level of self-sacrifice in every one of these altruistic behaviors that, that have been developed by nature. And that you know a mother breastfeeding her child is giving it something. There is you know all those things that you do for a child 
are self-sacrifice. It's both at the same time. And that's the thing that most people have a hard time seeing is the, both this ugliness and this beauty in the exact same thing. And it's a, that there is no, there is no, it's one or the other. It is both. And, uh, and so you can decide to focus on the cold, you know, shitty aspect of things, or you can decide to focus on the more pleasant aspect of things. And so, and the same thing is true whenever you're, we're talking about, uh, oh, well, you just want me to conform. Yeah, well, you want the, the, you know, approval that they'll give you in return for that conformity as well. And so we all are wanting something. We're all wanting to, and so, you, so there's kind of a, a level of, relaxation that you can get by understanding everybody's going through this maze of of crazy shit with all these different you know considerations of you know how much of, of my of my personality am i supposed to give way and, and, and conform to everybody else's desires how much you know yeah, how much do much? i let my freak flag fly and how much do i you know yeah, and how much back? do i go i go freedom you'll never take our you know and, and and then how much is that going to basically because i always want things to be exactly my way exactly. am i going to constantly be taking away from other people who want the same kinds of things it's like hey i always i always want to be the center of, of conversation uh and so i'm going to just uh I, you know i want the freedom to be to dominate every conversation and the, yeah and that freedom that you have right then is is taking away other people's freedom and because you were because all of them want that same thing of want of being you know uh, recognized and being able to talk and say what they want to say and so Oh, there's kind of this lack of recognition that we all tend to have because you know I don't know it, it just uh, the emotional um, uh, hardware just didn't develop the level of complexity that we need now in these larger civilizations we, it's we just we haven't got there yet so we have to kind of fill in the gap with these uh you know philosophies and things like that that are basically sets of tools or like sets of programs that help us navigate this complex shit that we have to navigate so so the point is going back to the idea of letting letting go of caring about what other people think and just being okay with it like basically forgiving them in other words if you can get to this instead of saying hey fuck you fuck all of you i don't give a shit what you think instead say i forgive you we're all a bunch of kind of half idiots running into each other and that's okay uh and you're going to step on my toes and you know what i'm going to step on your toes too yeah the world is just a giant mosh pit yeah emotional mosh pit and so that's kind of a first step is uh, is getting to that and one of the ways you can do that is by getting out and putting yourself in a purposeful failure situation and what I mean by this is that this, some of the guys I was talking about who, who tried to try, you know, they had a lot of success in overcoming some of their approach anxieties. They would do things, whatever it would be that would embarrass them. They'd go to a mall wearing a dress. And like then they, a full-on yeah, flower pattern mullet. Flower, yeah, and we're talking about big, you know. Big, bur burly, hairy dudes. Right. And they're like, you know, I don't give a shit. And people are going to ask me, they're going to think I'm freaking weird. And think I'm and this is in the Mid-South, too. Yeah, This exactly. isn't just... I think I'm cross-dressed. It's like, you know, no, in the heart uh, of the country. Like, and, but you know what? I'm going to make it cool cuz I'm going to go and I'm going to uh, and I'm going to just go and talk to people and joke and 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 turn it into something that's just funny. Fun for and them. And it's like exactly. And then and that's what you do is if you're making it Here's here's the where being a performer has taught me a lot. Now I, I did a lot with karaoke. I think a lot of people who are into karaoke will kind of understand this. Anytime that you're 
doing a performance, what people don't realize that that one of the things that really separates a good performer is the ability to put yourself in a mental state that other people can empathize with. And, and they, they want to be in as right. well. Right. And, and that's one of the things, by the way, that think about if you have chaotic emotions and somebody else has a very solid emotion. Like, for instance, whenever, say something, something traumatic has just happened. If one person is extremely calm and is telling everybody, hey, I've got a plan. It's going to be all right. I've got this handled. You know, then then they can what they what they do is they provide this grounding where other people's emotions are about to are about to explode and make them panicky and do and, and people do very you know stupid things and very make bad decisions while they're panicky. Well, so there's there's this natural tendency of humans to try to find someone when they are not emotionally in a good place, find someone who can who they can then think about their emotions and feel their the same emotions they can empathize with them and that's why so, social media like instagram is so popular that you can just aimlessly scroll through you know yachts and palm houses and pretty pictures and that gives you this feeling of like oh i want that and it gives you a yeah but specifically think about when if you saw a really great stage performance of a musician and one of the things you'll find is it's we always talk about their energy well why mm -hmm. why is that and then we talk about crowd energy why is the crowd energy and the performer's energy linked together because of that same sort of thing we basically sometimes that's why that's why we turn on the boob tube you know and television when we're sad and things like that because we can get into the mindset of the characters that we're watching. We and distract from your own. Right. And so, so, so the thing is, everybody likes having someone who is in a good mood, who's enjoying themselves and sharing that who's joy. Who's not rattled, maybe, right. by things, that, who's not embarrassed, who's not, you know. Yeah, exactly. Because the, one of the things, and by the way, this is... Uh, uh, the thing that really for when you talk about why approaches go badly uh one of the things that happens is is women a lot of times are a little more empathic now the neuroscience behind this is literally that men's brains are slightly more towards the asperger spe spectrum uh we we lose which some can, of the which can be mistaken for a sociopathic spectrum yeah but it's not uh, which I mean, the point it's is not but, just, but the idea is it is less there's less, of a, there's less of a focus on, on micro expressions. There's less of a calculation of social interaction that occurs. There's, there's a few things that we lose this one uh, capacity to gain another capacity in, you know, three dimensional rotation and, you know, things that, that lead to, you know, creation of tools. And constantly so, being keyed into other people's emotions will, you know, not give you that element of remaining calm or you know frame controlling into the right way so there's a reason why that labor is delineated between you know men and women in mm -hmm. general so the thing is when you're approaching a lot of times women have a lot of empathy and that is there's a type of empathy where a lot of times guys don't understand the the different kinds of empathy and it took me a while to really kind of uh, i don't think science actually i don't think psychology yeah. is it has and elucidated is, it well, one of the types of empathy has. that they, they talk about with mirror neurons and i'm pretty sure that's specifically the one type of empathy but mm -hmm. there's another that i think most men immediately think of and that is i know what you're thinking i know it and so in other words you know it in a sort of an academic sense you know what they're feeling it's like i know that person is crying i didn't understand that that's you know i, I get it yeah i know and i even know when they're hiding their sadness i still know it 
knowing it is not the same as the type of uh, as another type of empathy where you cannot help but feel what the other person is feeling and women are are more likely to have that sort of empathy where they mirror your emotions so therefore when you feel awkward and you walk up to somebody they can pick up your micro expressions uncertainty your uh, and your your body language and little tiny things that men's brains aren't focused on picking up those things as much and women's brains are just usually better at it and so they pick up the awkwardness and then they feel it and so that makes them they become uncomfortable because you are uncomfortable now remember what i was talking about with the part one person who's got it handled and you know or the performer on stage who's who they are out there and they are really you can tell that they are wrapped up in the emotion of the song that they're singing and they're they're alive and they're like a they're like a lightning rod and then everybody else is is jumping up and down with them because they can feel that lightning and it, and it courses through them as well so the the opposite of that is also true and so that's why a lot of times we have problems with approach is because if you when, when people are more empathic you approach them you're anxious they feel the anxiety they cannot help but feel the same unpleasantness that you are feeling and they weren't necessarily feeling it before so you're basically kind of they feel like you've just imposed that upon them now a lot of guys are gonna be like well you should just control your emotions uh, you know and that's it's easy enough to say, but uh, this is where I like to try to point out to guys, okay, uh, I want you to think of a time in your life where you cried in public. Because that's usually, that is the, the worst horror a guy goes through, is where he cannot help but you know the tears to slip out in front of people and it's, it's fucking terrible. Uh, and so most of us guys who can remember that, it's like this, oh, damn it. You know, uh, and, and so there's a... Um, if you can understand how there was with all of your pushing you were pushing with everything you had to keep that emotion from going over a border going over something now imagine if the somebody turned up the intensity of all of your emotions such that they were all of the same intensity of that thing that made you cry in public and imagine that having be, that being turned up and that's the thing a lot of people don't understand that a lot of people are having different experiences of reality the intensity of certain feelings are can be radically different the 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 force with which they come through they can come through as a, a like a like a like a river pushing you down it, it can be something and Avalanche. whereas it yeah exactly an avalanche is just you know it's destroying you and it over very small things what you would think and you with your own experience is like oh that is that i don't feel anything from that or i feel a little tiny twinge and of course i can control that and so everybody else should too that's not how reality works though that's not how people's brains work they're they are different and different people have what you think is a very easy to control thing because it is easy to you is not easy for other people and so they have to find other ways around those circumstances and they've found other ways around them and so there's there there some of the things that we've been finding through neuroscience is how much the experience of reality be, can can be modulated in all of these various ways uh for for different people and uh so anyway, so the point here is that is that you know, so if you can get to the point where you're comfortable and understand, because I remember I was talking about the whole forgiveness thing, 
you know, when you're walking up to people and you're anxious and then they end up accidentally syncing with you and then therefore they're, it's unpleasant and so they try to push you away, you know, you have to understand that's just going to happen. Uh, so one of the ways to, 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 is to start to get yourself used to interacting with people and and so long as you can get to the idea it's like well it's okay because i i do i am trading something and i have something to trade is that i can be entertaining or i can be pleasant or i can just smile because sometimes just giving people a smile just practicing going out in the public looking people in the eyes and smiling at them in a genuinely pleasant way that you and, and try to project your feelings because here's the thing a lot of people read feelings better than you do and women in general they read real actual feelings better than you do so it can't be something that you are just doing with your face you're not going to do it where they'll feel it there's something deeper our, our minds are more powerful than that they pick up little tiny things that you can't really uh, only some of the best actors out there you know are are and a lot of times the reason why they are so good is because they say. induce the feeling they don't they don't change their face or or anything like that they induce they think about something that they, makes them feel that way they, and then they are actually feeling the emotion and that's why you then see that emotion and from feel it them too. and feel it too exactly is because they they're they're not they're not acting they're experiencing. They've, mm-hmm. they've trained themselves to experience something in the moment, to be the character. Experience it on cue. Act like the character. Yeah. So the same thing, if you can look at people and say, I would like for this person to have a good day. I would like for them to enjoy a smile and feel like other people like them. And that people are, you know, and, and just basically by giving that from yourself, you will also get something in return. And there's nothing, you know, it's like I hate, when people talk about like philanthropy, ah, you just the only reason they're a philanthropist is because I can feel good by himself. You know, it's like, um, fuck you, okay? Yeah, the the yes, guess what? Anytime that you do good deeds, you get something out of it, and that is not only okay; that is the way it should be, and that's mm-hmm. the way it has to be. You should feel good for doing good things, right? And so that you do deserve reward <laughs> exactly. for doing good things. And so you need to understand that instead of doing that, oh, a, a woman is only she, the only reason she's the only reason she's feeding that baby is because she wants to maximize her genes. You know, fuck off with that stupid shit. Stop focusing on that dumb shit. Instead, focus on the things that are valuable, the things that will actually enhance your life and seeing the world in a more beautiful fashion will tend to enhance the way that you experience life it's just like living in a do you want to live in a in a cold hard dump or do you want to live in in, you know in a beautiful forest there is you know the same thing is true of your mental environment and how you mentalize things you can decide to see the worst of things or you can decide to see the best of them because they have two aspects and so so yeah you know what a philanthropist does get something out of it and that is any still doing something good and so the same thing is true when you're going out there and you, you you try to if you are trying to genuinely enhance other people's lives it is okay for you to, to then also appreciate that enhancement and that everybody's coming up together everybody is uh increasing their enjoyment together and you're playing a part of that and that's something you can feel good about and it's something that can start to get you past the the general bad interaction stage and that is you're giving away something free which is just just smiling at people just looking at them in a pleasant way and feeling inside yourself 
that you wish this person well, and they will sense it. That's the thing. Human minds are really powerful at picking up these tiny, tiny little things. And when you feel inside that you really have genuine good intent towards them, they will, they'll pick up on it subconsciously, and it will enhance their life. What were we going to uh, say? I was picking up a hair off you. But, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, yes, the um, defy feminist expectations of you. <laughs> yeah, that's one. That's one way to do it. Kill them with kindness. Kill them with uh, kindness. And uh, do you want to say something else? Um, well, uh, go ahead. Well, you segued perfectly into. Um, so we we talked about approach, and one last thing that could help approach is, and you mentioned that too, is setting yourself up for failure purposefully in order to get rid of the fear or the unpleasantness of a bad interaction and to get used to it and to actually find that maybe the fear is greater than the experience itself. Like the, the, the fear is the thing to fear, not what is actually going to be the result. You may be pleasantly surprised by how your interactions go if you set yourself up for failure and don't expect things to go well in the sense of, um, you know, just coming up to someone, being silly, being whatever, saying hello, so, so joking. Some people are going to be shitty towards you, and you need to be set. But you may be surprised by how well it will go up. Yeah, exactly. And but the the thing is, put yourself in a in in a circumstance to forgive people, and yes. and actually have a genuine understanding. It's like I have caused issues with people. I have I have been unpleasant towards people when they didn't deserve it. I have been not understanding another person's situation because it's not possible for anybody to always understand everybody else's situation. It just isn't. And so therefore with that in mind, you can go out there, set yourself up to end up having, you know, some negative experiences, but just be out there ready to forgive people and and understand and that that forgiveness, it isn't for them, it's for you. It's you know, forgiving people is about understanding the impossibilities of all of these complexities of, of working together and and just being able to have that buffer between each other I mean imagine if if every time somebody bumped into and one uh, somebody else it was such a high offense that you had to kill each other over it you know there's a there's there are these buffers that we have to have and the same thing is true and that we need to our, increase if we want to cooperate right. and continue as a civilization exactly and people keep trying to go oh no we need more punishment more redu reduction of Buffers, more following of the of these exact perfect rules because there's got to be some perfect rule that works out. Head. You know, and and it doesn't work out. What you instead need is is a a looser ability for everybody to be more patient with each other, to be more more tolerant um, tolerant with. Yeah, I hate to use that that keyword because uh, ultimately people, you know, think think poorly. Of problematic it, but, things are problematic, uh, and tolerance is tolerant. It's, <laughs> Look, if if you have such an issue with you know hug boxes or you know echo chambers or snowflakes, well, the opposite of being a snowflake is being tolerant. That's just how it is. Not being sensitive is being tolerant. Yeah. So so yeah, the uh, we're talking about one of the things that we talked about is like the whole you know we like the the ABC thing, uh, you know, approach bravery, confidence, and and it's like well, isn't bravery and confidence the same thing? It's like well. well not necessarily. Yes, and and exactly. Uh, actually, going off of the the approach, I just wanted to mention one last thing that will go from approach to bravery. That that the bridge between those two is that repeated interaction, which is helped by the forgiveness that you're talking about. So ha having the right mindset of going into it with forgiveness, you know, forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. Everyone's just in a giant mosh pit. They, you know, their dad could have just died. They could have, you know, they could have just been dropped on the head too many times as a baby and they're a permanent asshole now. Regardless, 
not not your circus, not your monkeys. Who cares? Forgive them. Move on. Force your mind to have a positive experience, even when everything is terrible. And, and then you repeatedly know what? give yourself a pat on the on the back oh, for yeah. making the world a better place. Go right ahead. For not adding to that exactly. mire. So we go from with this repeated exposure to interactions is one of the ways to deal with approach anxiety. Well, of course, the things we mentioned, how to formulate your thinking will help with the initial approach. But then, let me just address one thing, because I think it is important, because people really hate the idea of ever rewarding themselves for good behavior. But here's the thing, one of the things that they've found in neuroscience is that reward is how you reinforce behavior. So it is crucial uh, it, whenever you want to teach an animal, they learn better through reward than they do through punishment. If you want to be a person that is doing good things, then you need to make sure you are rewarded for those good things in any way that you can. If you can in some way reward yourself for what you know to be good behavior, you should be doing it if you want to make sure that you are more likely to do that behavior in the future. This whole idea of not, uh, you know, not wanting any reward or anything like that, it, it's a, it's, it may be some sort of, you know, like tradition culturally or something like that, but it's just a bad practice uh, because, we, you know, what we've found out scientifically is that, you know, if you want behaviors to be repeated, they need to be rewarded and people will, uh, you know, you can set up where a person doesn't even know that they're doing something more frequently because they didn't recognize that they were rewarded for that behavior and they'll still do that behavior more frequently there's a great nlp uh, story about that right with oh the, yeah the with clinking of the ring against the cup yeah that's kind of, yeah there kind of is uh, it's, it's somewhat similar but there's there's plenty of stories around it i you know i encourage you to, to look these things up question anything that we say look look it up see if it's true but the 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 point is that there is a there is an important thing of treating your subconscious mind, those systems that are kind of outside of your reach, those, all of those many millions of things that you consider kind of in the background before you come to that this or that sort of conscious decision. There's, there's so many other things going on. And so you need to be kind of training yourself like you would train an animal. And so that's why it is important that you and that you focus on rewarding good behaviors and so that you'll that it's, I just I can't I can't um, harp on this enough because there is such a huge I don't know kind of like a cultural thing that I know is out there about you know not accepting the reward for doing things that are good and that's just so bad that is such a destructive uh, methodology it's such a counterproductive idea well I think it has to do with w what defines good because some people will find that being a cutthroat capitalist is good and others find that being in a commune is good and neither of those will agree with each other yeah I suppose but then at that point you kind of have to you know rely on them uh, it's like in uh, th there are certain things that are a little more obviously good when it comes right. to in like not kicking puppies yes <laughs> uh, you know when it comes to interacting with people and uh, and you know and doing things like basically just enhancing the day of the people that you run into on oh a hey basis. the golden fucking rule how about that <laughs> yeah, some of that that would be a good idea um so I mean in Generally speaking, though, still it, it still applies. It, it, when it comes down to it, whatever behaviors you want to, uh, 
enhance need to be rewarded so do that so pat yourself on the back when you've done something you should do uh and and don't and don't shy away from that because then you're just you're not embracing a a you're just not embracing a scientific system you're not embracing a, a system that works you're you're using some sort of superstitious crap that was passed down to us by you know some feeling shit that's a fucking idiot <laughs> sorry that's, whatever it is I, I don't know we've been told this over and over and it's dumb uh, it doesn't work with what we found in, with science so, yeah seriously research it uh, look into if reward uh yields better results than punishment and and find out for yourself Yes, um, and even if it doesn't, even if it was equal, still reward is a way to in, increase well, the behavior. Equal, which one would you rather have, punishment <laughs> right. or reward? But yeah, I know, of course, with animal models and things like that, uh, you know, conditioning, um, behavioral conditioning is based on rewards. Pavlov's dog, all of that stuff is based on reward. Okay, now, so I, I felt like that was necessary okay. because I know there's a general feel against that good behavior of making sure to reward good behavior mm -hmm. um so yeah but then we're gonna okay so right approach. so yeah we're talking about approach Bravery. and how so we we dealt with approach anxiety and then the more times you approach the less that anxiety will be it'll fade with uh, newness and fear will fade and you will begin to find enjoyment in it and uh, before you know it you don't have that anxiety anymore now uh something you mentioned uh, which was would you rather live in a cold, uh, dark hovel or in, you know, a beautiful forest, palace, beach, whatever? Um, that leads to my next uh, point, which is how do we induce bravery? How do we get that feeling? And, and, and I would like to actually talk about manifesting. Which is a hippy dippy concept. However, well, let's, let's first talk about what the, the, that bravery is not a lack of fear. Bra bravery is the decision to overcome fear. Yes. Uh, and that it is still present. Uh, then, you know, and a lot of times that's why there is a difference between bravery and, and confidence. Confidence uh, precludes the need for bravery. Bravery yep. is, is what you do when you uh, aren't confident. When you aren't confident <laughs> and, you, and you decide to, to you know, uh, to take the risks anyway. All right, so actually being brave is what gets you to overcome your approach anxiety in the first place. And, uh, and you know, sort of harnessing that I'm going to do it anyway. I'm not going to let anyone's opinion of me or anyone's anything hold me back from doing the things that I enjoy, from going out there, from not being essentially dead. Because if you're, you know, hiding from the world all the time because you're, you're maybe rightfully so afraid of it, that, that's, you know, you're not living. You're not really experiencing life in, in all it has to offer. And of course, a lot of us are just stuck in one single place that we were born and raised in. Like a lot of people don't even make it past their hometown. Um, and you have to realize that there's a huge world out there with vastly different cultures and vastly different types of people and and there's also there's this general feeling we get uh that where where we feel like the only experience that we could have is the experience that we've already had and mm -hmm. it's and it's uh, an absurd lie because the 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 thing is there is I, I, this is one of the hardest things is trying to get out of yourself you have this idea of how reality is going to work, and it's basically you've got all these you've got all these probabilities. This is what's likely here. This is what's likely there, and they're bullshit. 
uh, they're skewed based on on weird circumstances that are that are specific to you, and you have all these beliefs, and everybody does have all these beliefs about what's likely and what's unlikely that are just way off base and self fulfilling, uh, and that's that's one of the other things that uh, that I, I try to you know point out to people whenever you expect that a person like say you expect that a person is not going to like you you're going to automatically be defensive and hostile possibly and and, and you're going to interpret their words as meaning like what kind of shitty thing is this person saying to me right now and and so guess what what if they were are they they would have totally liked you and had absolutely no problem with you but then because of the fact that you expected shittiness from them and your defensiveness put you in a posture then that specific posture has actually caused them to like you less and so therefore your expectation became self-fulfilling prophecy and we do this all the time uh everybody does it where they have the you know your anxiety uh or in your your beliefs about oh everybody's going to treat me like shit end up making everyone treat you like shit because you are acting defensive and defensive Defensiveness or suspicious is, or hostile or, right and even in ways that you may not perceive but you know it's because you're in your own head you, you don't know what you look like from the outside you don't exactly for sure know what you may be transmitting to others so that's one of the things also is that you can try to work on is understanding your skewed perspective is bullshit uh, really, I mean, feminists believe that they're likely to be raped on every corner. Now, is that true? Of course not. But they have this expectation because of being in their own sort of in their own head. And so sometimes just by changing your expectations, even if you think, well, that's just not true, though. It's just not true that the, the people will automatically like me. It's just not true. You got to start. You gotta start beating it into yourself that you that your beliefs aren't aren't gospel. They're based on incomplete data. A, a lot of other people, some some people believe that there's a high chance of meeting an angel when they go outside. I mean, there's a lot of silly ideas, and I understand that you don't feel like your ideas are silly, but these people don't think their ideas are silly either. And the whole reason they have them is because they've they've constantly built up these systems in their head of thinking of what's probable and what's mm -hmm. not and it and and they can get and probability wild. is based on data sets and if you have and not you, experienced, and you have a limited data set yes. that's the point is you have a limited data set and it's ex and it can become extremely skewed because the one thing about random numbers is that they stack and uh, if you so if you learn anything about random stuff they the the it's not. It's, and a lot not of times, it's not an average. It's a you know. And a lot of times, it's not even. You haven't even done enough experiments to get uh, an accurate average. You've you've gone out twice, had a bad experience, or like that's it, never again. And that's yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. And that's the thing. We always think we have this huge data set. Every kid thinks that they've got it all figured out. Mm -hmm. You know, and and then oh well now now that I'm 18 now I now I've had got so much experience I know how everything works and then and then the same thing when you're you know 40 you know so you, you keep thinking that your current data set is big enough and then when you get to a much larger data set you go oh that data set was fucking terribly tiny it was worthless oh my god that was such a skewed worthless set of data that I thought was so huge when it was so tiny and so skewed because it was tiny it's like oh man I flipped uh, flipped heads three times in a row that's all I need to know that coins will always come up heads you know it's like no no <laughs> <laughs> your data set is shit and so beginning to understand that we get these skewed perspectives and being able to doubt your 
you're automatic coming to the feeling that oh my life's going to go this way people are going to treat me that way things are going to go this way being able to doubt that is uh is kind of an important part of breaking down those things that keep you from changing that keep you from from see from from basically deciding to be who you want to be and that's that's where that whole fake it till you make it thing kind of comes in is that it may feel fake but it's not it's there's self-fulfilling prophecies that work that's where that whole you know people love the the secret and stuff like that and they kind of explain it in a magical I love way attraction oh I'll get attraction. To that. oh i got science but man. the but the truth of the matter is what's happening is self-fulfilling prophecies and when people are optimistic they are ready they their pattern recognition is just really they're o- receptive working overtime to find any possibility of things going right and they'll chase down that thing that that, that possibility of going right and they'll won't pay as many as much attention to the failures and they'll and the end reverse up, is true. and they'll end up taking advantage of more opportunities and finding more opportunities and then the reverse is true when you're looking for things to go badly and you expect that every chance that you take is going to go wrong then you'll focus on every one that that did go wrong and you'll say yep there's more proof more confirmation bias things are going to go wrong they're always going to go wrong i've proven it over and over blah 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 here i can now now uh, now i can pity myself and you know collapse into a pile of shit you know and and so (laughs) we we all have that system i'm not uh, you know here i'm speaking very genuinely uh, generally and i don't know you but guess what it's because all of us do this dumb shit (laughs) yes and you know this is perfectly exactly uh what uh i'd like to talk about uh which is manifesting um we are talking about habits and expectations and they are under your control you can rewrite your brain uh, and what it sees and believes and expects and with that you will change your life quite literally Um, neuroplasticity which is the constant wiring and rewiring of neurons helps us train our brain so you can quite literally train your mind to see things or to believe in things simply by thinking about them and and believing in them and just over and over and over doing it and so what manifesting is it is once again we're talking about law of attraction we're talking about the secret and the the manifesting is you imagine um you know a lim- I don't know what you want, uh, a cup of coffee or a limousine or a beach vacation or a partner for, for life. You j- imagine something that you want and focus on it and stay focused on it with your mind. Uh, don't, don't think about things you don't want. Think about positive things that you do want, uh, good things. And just constantly think about the way you want your life to go, the way you want yourself to be, the things you want in your life. And the idea is, The Secret, which is a book and and a movie, the idea is that these things that you want by constantly manifesting them in your mind's eye, in your imagination, in your your thinking about it, it will actually come to you. And what happens is you just invest more, you recognize more opportunities and possibilities as possibilities to get there, and you invest more. Uh, You put more time into it instead of being... uh, a, a wuss bag and give it up easy and that's what happens is you put more time into it you stop paying attention to your losses of the losses of time failed attempts things like that and you instead go straight at your target and go right for it and see here's the thing there is a there when you know when it comes down to excessive fear or excessive desire 
and that's what we generally have when you look at like extremist conservatives and extremist liberals is you have excessive desire and excessive fear and but the truth of the matter is you know if you have to pick fear or desire desire is the better of the two in a certain way mm -hmm. and that is that that when it, when you when you think about a cat that's that's chasing a mouse but the cat is being chased by a dog now the, the, the thing is, you're going to try your very best to go after something that you really, really want. And you can be focused on what you're going after, or you can be focused on the fear of what's coming after you. And the truth of the matter is, all of us, the bridge is falling apart behind us. Like, you know, and, or, you, and there's always something behind us. There's always wolves at the door. There's always that. And you can become... There's always death chasing you. <laughs> and, whenever, and whenever you're thinking about that, it feels tiresome. It feels like you want to give up. You Like you just want to break. You just... But what happens when you're going after the things that you love? When you're really... you just... You're going after the things that you desire. You feel full of energy. You stay up till, you know, you stay up all night. You go after them. You jump so, out of bed in the morning. And the truth know? of the matter is, you know, that you are that cat in the middle. And the difference is just whether you're focused on going after the mouse or if you're focused on the dog that's after you. It doesn't, you know, you, you can choose to, to your experience. And guess what? You're going you're gonna to have more. When you're, when you're focused on the joy of going after what you want, you're going to gonna have more energy and that's where that, that whole the secret thing comes from by focusing on the positivity you put in that extra effort where if you just pushed a little further pushed a little harder because did a little more work because you had faith you got over that hump that but when you when you feel like it's not gonna work out it's not gonna happen then what happens is you don't put in the extra work you don't put in the extra effort because you feel like it's an exercise in futility and your time would be spent better elsewhere and what ends up happening is you end up so scattershot that you're not spending enough time in any one thing and you defeat yourself and so, and so that's how the the secret really does have a way of becoming self-fulfilling prophecy and of course it's a two-edged sword self-fulfilling prophecy happens whether you're prophesying negative or you're prophesying positive you are and it's through the recognition and effort that you end up putting into it so it's a real thing just because we we tend to capture things in a magical thinking sort of way doesn't mean we haven't captured something useful just like when you know when ancient people decided that god hates you and make it will make you be eaten of worms if you uh if you dare eat pork and so uh you know they, they thought of it in a magical way but the truth of the matter is they were avoiding trichinosis you do get worms in your muscles and from you know and it's likely to happen by eating pork so you know we human beings have been capturing things like this with magical ideas but just because it's a magical idea doesn't mean it's actually false or that there isn't a mechanism that makes it work there are mechanisms that can make certain things work like the secret and the truth of the matter is you don't have to think about the mechanism that much you can just use it as a tool you can use the secret as a you know I want to focus on the things that I that I want and by doing that you will in a certain way kind of call them to you because you know, there's these automated systems that you're kind of gen by generally reaching to it you adapt into the individual circumstance and you, you our brains are very powerful they the subconscious will do what you tell it to do so if you're you're telling it to look for ways in which things suck oh it'll do it oh, i'll do a great job of it but if you tell it to look for things that you want it'll do that and that will change your expectations and therefore open you up to more experiences because you will have different expectations.
And yes, going after things you love is beneficial, not just because you're going to get them, but because you get to have that experience. And this is something that Herc said uh, in Twitch chat uh, with, with some bits here. <laughs> um, going after the things you love is so beneficial. Thumb up, angel face, and a heart. <laughs> and and yeah, and not only because you are more like, you, you will get what you look for. You will find it. And so if you look for positive things, you will find them. But also, even if you don't, let's say all of it's bullshit, none of it works. It's all just, we're just full of shit. Well, what would you rather have? A life in which you're constantly thinking about how everything sucks or a life in which you're seeing everything with rosy glasses? I mean... Yeah, see, the point is it's going after something joyful. Even if a cat doesn't catch, even right. it doesn't catch the mouse, it might have been led towards a bird. And that's and, and it got a workout. And that's the thing, yeah. And and it, and it had a joyful experience. It play, it was playful and fun. And that's the thing is they they enjoyed what they were doing. And that's what you that's what your life is about. It's not about getting to some specific ends. It is about having joy throughout the the entire process. And that's uh, what happiness is. The, right. the happiness. You may is think the way. that specific ends are the way to get you to find your joy, but the truth of the matter is, it's it, the whole thing needs to be joyful. And so so once again, it's about managing your mindset. And this is one of the ways to manage your mindset is is through that that focus and so yeah you, you know one of the other things that kind of messes things up is when you are so focused on a particular ends instead of going towards a general target and accepting hitting a nearby target you instead are like you know what if you shoot for the stars and then hit the moon are you going to be upset about hitting the moon and a lot of people are they're not going to be happy. They're not going to be satisfied because oh, I was shooting for the stars. I didn't get the sh stars. Oh, who cares? I got the moon. Fuck the moon. You know, it's like, <laughs> dude, fuck. You know, no. Appreciate life. You got to appreciate that you ended up getting there. And so, and, and even if it's, it, that's the whole. Appreciate thing any of, positive because it's sure as fuck not a negative. Right. And it's not even a net zero. It's a positive. It's, it's still good. a positive. And yeah. so we can get lost in this focusing so much on a particular goal when instead, if you can have more vagueness to your goals is like oh i'd like a lot of these different things and i'm just gonna really like any of them that happen i'm gonna focus on trying to make you know all all of them happen with you know some of these the you know, other ones that i like the most i'm gonna try really hard to make those happen and i'm gonna focus on them and but then just being able to be cool with all of the nearby accomplishments that will happen as well and that's that's kind of the whole joy in the process that can that you know uh, the the cat, like I said, well, it may not catch the mouse, but hey, it might be led to another mouse, or it might, you know, uh, it, you know, one way or another, there's a positivity to that going after, and it, and truthfully, it usually leads in uh, generally in a direction that you want to go anyway, because when you're putting effort into things and you're really active in your life, the positive things do end up coming of it. Yes, and we're talking about all of these things are building habits. Uh, you know, doing it once will not really yield the results that you're looking for. This, all of this, everything we've talked about is habit. Habit, habit, habit. is predicated on the idea of you have to make this your habit. You, you this is the daily practice that you, that you have to do. And there's the more. approach thing. You have to right. practice interacting with people regularly. You've got to put yourself in situations that will you know make it where you can get numb to your fears and and build up your positive experiences so you'll remember more positive experiences instead of remembering a bunch of negative experiences and so that's the habit that changes your 
memory of the way that things work so that you'll have a different outlook on what is likely and your your perspective on the world will then become a feedback loop you'll expect better of the world and so you'll see better of the world and the and more and better things will happen in the world and so that's kind of the point is to, to create these habits that create feedback loops where things continue to get better and better because we're constantly creating negative feedback loops that, that happens all the time so you're, what you're wanting to do is construct positive feedback loops and yes and if you're not um, if you're not daily maintaining something it will degrade that's just I guess entropy I don't know there <laughs> there is an element of, of putting in a daily upkeep uh, that will help you maintain your state longer and a lot of things that we're going to continue talking about they are once again uh, based on daily experiences um, and don't see it as a one of the things that uh, that is also an important tool is not to think of it as a as a grind oh I've got to keep up with these habits I've got to do these things instead see them as well think about like when you're when you're getting in the car to go on vacation and you're you're driving out to the beach or whatever that drive to the beach doesn't it like when you're doing it you're you're full of joy because you're doing it and that's the thing that you need to see is whenever you are taking these actions that are habitual and that you need to see it is that you're doing it you're accomplishing your goal in the act it's not some tedium it is the act of doing it. The the thing at the end and the thing at the beginning are one thing. And the you need to the be way to, to your it. goal is part of the goal. Or, or the steps, yeah. exactly. And I think a lot of times people who can see the steps to a goal as the also as, as part and parcel and the same thing as the accomplishment of the goal. And feel as positive about that, it. Are the, the ones that accomplish more. Mm -hmm. And the ones who end up getting that reward of accomplishment. And you, they get it all throughout it. Because they're seeing it as like, I'm doing it. I'm getting in the car and I'm driving to the beach. This is great. I'm so happy. And like, you know, and so the people who are actually in the car, they don't have to arrive at the beach to start experiencing the happiness. They know they are in the process of doing it. You're in well the said. process of accomplishing your goal. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, one thing that I would recommend as a way to uh, deal with approach anxiety but also mitigate your uh, potential fallout from, from dealing with untrustworthy people uh, and people who mean you harm because of your gender or color or whatever uh, is to volunteer at a soup kitchen, actually. Um, or somewhere else, anywhere, volunteer, uh, because that will give you access to interacting with people and that'll help you deal with any of those things that you know may hold you back, any kind of fearful experiences because you will just get accustomed to meeting people. And a lot of times volunteer organizations, they don't want your money as much as they want your time. They need hands, they need people who can do the thing, who can do the outreach. And do something philanthropic yes. that, that, can, that can allow you to give yourself a pat on the back because that's gonna make you feel and engage like with the community, a, a, like a valuable person, and it's going to be the truth. And you know, that's the thing is you you want you want to produce proof that you're a valuable person. Produce it for you. Nobody else has to recognize it. Nobody else has to even know about it. Just do it for you. Produce proof that you are valuable, so that no matter what is occurring around you with other people or things like that, you still know who you are and what you are. And that's one of the ways that you can uh, that you can really kind of get around caring about other people's 
consensus ideas because consensus a lot of times is mob rule for truth it's it's just it's crap that we kind of, we've for thousands of years we've thought that you know crazy bullshit we've thought crazy bullshit and that's what we everybody what millions of people thought it was the consensus a bunch of stupid crazy bullshit and so there's a, there's got to be a way for you to kind of get around that and that is being able to value yourself do those things that will help you value yourself and make sure to give yourself the pat on the back be sure that you tell yourself that you be are sure valuable recognize and yourself. recognize the accomplishments and be really appreciative of your accomplishments and recognize them and so that way you will do those things that are productive those things which are valuable those things which make a person valuable because you know you know that's what you want you want to be more valuable so do those things and then you don't care if other people and, and and truthfully sometimes it's kind of nice to hide it it's kind of nice to hide to you know what it, you know that way you have this kind of yeah sure misjudge me you're just wrong and you know you know ne- and you're never going to know all the things that i've done to try to make this world a better place you know ne- you will not know the sacrifices i've made to make myself know. more valuable but i know that's all and you know what i'm not even gonna let you know and sometimes there's kind of a power to that there's kind of a power to knowing, to having this secret knowledge of the things secret that you identity. have done. To yeah, exactly the it's things that you have done identity. to try to to make the world a better place. That makes that you can know that you're a, that you are a good and valuable person. That regardless of anybody else's opinion of you, you know who you are. And uh, a word on uh, people's opinions is that a lot of times they carry both a positive and a negative opinion about you. They have all... Simultaneous. Simultaneous. No, they, they're... Completely opposites. Yes. In be- their head at the same time. It's fucking crazy. Well, no. It's just they, they don't know what to do with this new thing, so they're prepared with every possible yeah. idea. It's funny that I mean, for the longest time, I, I always thought of human beings as having these these unitary opinions and they don't they always have opposite opinions that are and completely they're just wait- in opposition and to they're each waiting other. for you to prove to them which one to believe yeah and it's not just about you it's about lots of things yes and that and you'll find if you search around in your head that you have opposing opinions simultaneously and given whatever circumstance brings it up you 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 can you'll end up some people are more unitary in their opinions than others of course yes of course but the, the, there are there but we're not I, immune to it yeah we're not immune to <laughs> And there's some, and there's a lot of people who they don't have a single unitary mm-hmm. opinion. They have opposite opinions about absolutely every goddamn thing, and they're literally complete opposites. It seems impossible that a person could believe utterly opposite things about the same thing, but they do based on the circumstances. And that's a level, that's a kind, that's a type of adaptation. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are adaptive, but through it's it's got huge weaknesses. As when you're talking about a problem solving sort of activity. Like if I were to write a program or something, you know, it, it it has huge weaknesses, but it is a way of being adaptive, and that's why their their brains have that two two completely opposing opinions about things, so that they can be more adaptive to circumstances. I tend to dislike minds that are like that. Uh, they, I, they are not my favorite kind of people. I can tell you that. But uh, the but you can uh, understand. But I understand it exactly. I understand that that is a that's a common a commonality that we all have at least some of mm-hmm. uh, that that right. Two completely opposing opinions. Um, I mean, then, if you don't chase it down, you know, you, and then the you may have is, it. And but then, then whatever you believe that they'll believe about you ends up being what they believe about you. It's so weird to see this. There's this. There's this interaction between people where they, uh, where you end up altering which opinion they hold 
about you based on which opinion you believe that they'll hold about you. Uh, because mm -hmm. of those subtleties, it, it's that, that whole self-fulfilling prophecy thing. And that's how confidence works. Yep. I need to run to the rat bathroom. <laughs> um, a lot of times, um, that idea that we mentioned for a second of fake it until you make it, it actually has a strong basis in reality because you, as we mentioned, people do believe about you what you believe about you. I mean, why do you have, you know, if you listen to Patrice O'Neill and his, his comedy specials, he talks about being a fat, ugly motherfucker, and yet somehow all these women want to sleep with him. How? Why? Well, it's because he carries himself and he presents himself like he's valuable, like he's king shit, like he is awesome, like they would be lucky to have him, and they believe it. And the same goes true for, um, let's, you know, imagine a, a meek, uh, awkward, shy, you know, little nerd that, you know, comes into a classroom and everyone instantly thinks that they're not valuable, that nobody wants them, that they don't have a girlfriend. Why do they think that? Because that's what that person presented themselves as. Uh, we pay attention to appearance and body language cues and a lot of the body language that a person exhibits has to do with how they believe what they believe about themselves how they hold themselves how they speak the volume at which you speak to people how straight your shoulders are how high your head is i mean you know they used to talk about how uh, royalty would look at people down their nose what does that mean that means their head is up high they're they got their you know chest out their back straight their head up in the air because they think they're great they're the best and what does everyone else around them do they see that and they go oh this primate has been given a lot of reward and approval from the rest of the group, which is why they have the audacity to carry themselves that way. And you can life hack that. Just by behaving in a way that people would expect of a confident person, you will gain confidence because people will start treating you like a confident person. Yeah, instincts have a lot of really neat heuristics in them where they can, they can glean information from the environment uh, in a very kind of automated fashion. But one thing I wanted to say about the uh, the idea of fake it till you make it, it's uh, I, I, I prefer it be more something like uh, be it until you are it because you know we tend to feel like it's fake, uh, but that's not what it, that, that's not the way to do it. That's not really you, you don't fake it. You basically create a habit and do things that aren't necessarily. Who you, who you usually think of yourself as. And that's the thing, you know, who are you really? And, and who you are is not what you currently are, it's what you could be, it's what you strive to be. So your truest self is, is more what you're striving to be and not your, temporary, uh, not your temporary state, because it is a temporary state. So, so this, we have these false ideas of who we are, like it's something set in stone or something that, you know, we can, when you have this, this strong idea of that I am this, this thing, uh, instead of being, instead of seeing yourself as what you could become and seeing yourself as that future self, you instead solidify some unchanging pile of crap that you don't like instead of striving towards a, a uh, an ideal that you are attempting to accomplish so that's what it's you know it's it's be it till you are it is the whole fake it till you make it because it's not that you know there is no 
being ingenuine about things is not going to to really be helpful. Um, you know, like one of the things I try to, some of the things that, that people can kind of misunderstand whenever they're looking at this from a strategic point of view is that it's like, oh, we well, just try to manipulate everyone around you, and you know, by uh, by acting in the way that uh, you think will work out the best and get you what you want. You know, and it's like, well, no, you know, whenever you Whenever you manipulate others, you uh, here. Let me get the cat. You're such an asshole, kitty. Um, whenever you uh, manipulate others, you manipulate yourself. You are manipulated. You know, whenever you are uh, attempting to, you know, unlock somebody's lock, well, you're forming yourself into a key that fits them. So basically, you are changing yourself. You're too. implicitly. <laughs> causing them to manip manipulate you uh -huh. uh, and so you know there's this whole problem with the with being manipulative that uh, that's that people don't really recognize that they're that it's just a form of conformity you know uh, as you as you very specific right just to because an individual. just because you feel uh, all you know well I know I don't like it on the inside well who gives a shit if you don't like it on the inside why are you doing it uh, and so it's like the you know this the, the whole uh, you're you're still conforming. You're still conforming to to things, you know, to try to get what you want. And so, you, having that sort of sinister, manipulative idea about things, people that that tends to you know grant people some feeling of power, but it's kind of a false power. Well, it's not just kind; it really is completely false. But um, so, I guess my point is, it's it's important to understand that there is a a um, a, a way of of understanding that what you are trying to do is not doing do something ingenuine but instead create habits by living in a way that is what you want to be mm -hmm. and that and uh, and by living in that way you create the habits that are part of that person that you are in the process of becoming and what you want to be can change it could change in a day it could change in a year doesn't matter it's still what you want to be that I believe that that is what our true selves are it is in what we find valuable and what we strive to be like or what we wish to be like and by creating habits of behaving in ways that we wish to be you will become it and a lot speaking of values you know and uh, and uh, back to the the conversation about reward uh, that we we're talking about earlier. I have some awesome stuff here about positive affirmations and value affirmations. That's yet another thing that uh, you know sounds like just some pop psych silliness, but it's got a lot of awesome research behind it. And um, there is a. It's so just to kind of recap mm -hmm. for a second. Basically, sure. what we're talking about is what is the nature of confidence? Where does confidence come from? Mm -hmm. And confidence comes from habits. It comes from uh, a habitual. And not just that, but also from proof, from from experience, <laughs> from experience, from creating proof of things, and and that's that goes back to that whole creating proof of your value, creating creating things that are proof to you, and not doing it for anybody else, but specifically for you, and that's what creates real confidence is uh, is just that that ex those experiences basically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so there's this, uh, the speaking of, of confidence and all of that, um, there's a self-affirmation theory uh, that posits that people are motivated to maintain a positive self-view um, and that threats to perceived self-competence are met with resistance. So when threatened, 
self-affirmation can restore self-competence by allowing individuals to reflect on sources of self-worth, such as core values. So um, the idea here is that you know you you'll go out there, you'll go out in the field, you'll meet people, and you know some of them will react weirdly and badly, and you will be threatened. And how how do you deal with that? What what can you do to help you overcome some of these things? And uh, it was found that value affirmations. So in other words, focusing on what your values are, getting in touch with your core self, the, the, the self that you want to be, the values that you hold about yeah, life. I think, I think in some cases they may be talking about where people will, uh, when they're threatened and they, they kind of back up to whatever their, their uh, cultural or uh, religious or you know whatever kind of belief that makes them feel safe but instead of and it, i think everybody has that sort of when you're threatened you back, back up to whatever it is that you feel is most true or, or whatever but instead of doing that if you can instead look at real things that you've created that are uh the real things that are part of of your um i, I don't know exactly what to call it but you're you're Idiom. <laughs> to to uh, make it part of your story, I suppose, uh, and so that what you're backing up to is looking at the the progress of your life and the things that you've done, and then the things that which you're talking about, which is your value, your actual mm-hmm. real value, instead of that that. No, I'm talking about values, like things that you yeah. believe to be good or true, or things that you find valuable about living about humans about the world about how to behave um and uh, so yeah it, we're talking about essentially realigning with because it's so often we I, I believe that too many people spend time reacting to things without taking a moment to look inside them and realign and reevaluate what is happening and how they should react to it based on what they believe in their heart to be true and good and something to aspire to. So values, um, that's what I, what, what we're talking about um, here, I believe that um, it's, a, it's a whole study that's going to be linked in the, in the resources on the Patreon page. But um, yes, though, things like religion and um, I don't know, conservative values, liberal values, family values, family values. Yes. All of these things is sort of your definition of yourself. These are core building blocks of what you find to be you. And which is why we talk about, you know, being it until you are it. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that I, th- those ideas of what is good in the world and what is good to have in a human, that is essentially what you should what you are what you truly believe is and and okay so let's say you you don't do things that you believe are good that doesn't mean that you don't have the potential because you do believe that they're good you do believe that that is the ultimate way to be so just because you're not doing it currently doesn't mean that still isn't really your truer self that if you just there's always value in attempt just because it's like nothing he who shoots at nothing generally hits it Uh, and so long as you're if you're not making attempts then that then that's a uh, you know a problem, but 
but when you are making attempts, those are valuable. Those are parts of the steps to get there. And so a lot of times people, you know, just because they do not reach their, their goal or don't reach their goal in the time that they want will tend to devalue the attempts as, well, I'm not doing it, so it doesn't matter. It's, you know, but that's not true. It's, it, you have to understand the value uh, in the attempt and the, the, that it is the step forward. Each failed attempt is just a step towards the goal because it creates, you know, you, you're building skill, you're building a habit, you're building, you're building up towards something. Every failure is an increase uh, of, you know, it is a mo- movement towards the goal. Mm-hmm. And uh, self-affirmation in particular, it can be a variety of things that, you know, define who you are, define what you believe is good. And uh, take a moment to reflect on that and to change that. You know, you're not beholden to anyone to maintain one specific idea for the rest of your life, just like the ideas you had when you were five years old. Of course, you outgrew those. So it's okay to keep outgrowing ideas. Um, so there's a lot of inf- information to how to maintain confidence uh, in, in face of rejection or conflict or um, anything that is trying to, or, or nervousness or any kind of anxiety, anything that you may fear that you will do badly in or, or anything like that, like a test or, you know, or an interaction or what have you. If you have fear about performance anxiety, you can reflect on value affirmations uh, or self-affirmations that are known. And there's a and lot of research. Sometimes there's also, uh, I, I think, keeping your eyes on the prize. So when, so sometimes you can back up to your to your values uh, of what you're doing and where you're where you're going, and then once again looking forward to the steps that you're taking, even in the moment that you're in it. If things are not going poorly or they're arduous or whatever, you keep your eyes on the prize, and that you are that you, and instead of seeing the the momentary difficulty, you instead see that as part of the process of reaching the goal, just like being in the car on the way to the beach. Yes, and spending time being introspective uh, is actually really, really important for confidence because self-affirmations are quite powerful. Uh, Knowing who you are, what you stand for, what you find valuable, it can improve your confidence in life in a variety of ways, such as affirmations were found to boost grades in lasting ways, uh, reduce sympathetic nervous system reaction to stressors, help lose weight and overweight people, improve inner group and interpersonal relationships. One particular study uh, led by doctoral candidate uh, Christopher Cassio and associate professor Emily Falk, uh, <laughs> Falk and published in the journal Social Cognitive and Effective Neuroscience used fMRI or functional magnetic resonance imaging to find that self-affirmation activates well-known reward centers in the brain. So the ventral striatum and ventromedial prefrontal cortex, and of course the prefrontal cortex also has to do with decision-making and executive function, um, and it's sort of the, the part that separates us from primates, uh, the thing that allows us to plan and to you know carry out those plans. Um, so ventromedial prefrontal cortex and ventral striatum were activated, and these are the same reward centers that respond to pleasurable experiences, such as, uh, I don't know, winning a prize or something. And uh, self-affirmations were also found to strengthen nerve connections, uh, rewiring your brain, essentially, in the way that you want it. So once again, it's a habit. It is a process of repeating, of having a feedback loop, of going in a loop over and over and over 
over something and that is how our brain works it'll strengthen connections that you keep repeating so the same is true for negative affirmations uh, so you can have positive affirmations which in general saying things out loud that are positive only um, and your brain will be like oh okay we're on the positive train now and uh, that is also true for negative things the more you think and repeat and go over and over negative things the more those pathways will be strengthened so you have complete essentially control over what your brain will tend to do if you put in enough training the master of your mind mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, also another really really cool thing about self-affirmations is that they were found to enhance performance by having people be receptive to mistakes so that's where the confidence comes in by having value affirmations or self-affirmations you can kind of get out of the moment that you're in and think of your larger self think of all the accomplishments that you've done think of the the things that make you good and a valuable person and that will help you not take it too hard so much when you make a mistake or be be so down on yourself or in general a lot of times when people Understanding that how much uh, mistakes are an absolute necessity for everything mm -hmm. uh, is, uh, I think... But if you've had a lot of negative experiences and lack in self-confidence, every new mistake you make is just further proof that you're worthless. Yeah, and so you there's feel this like it's proof. And it's feel not, like it. it's No, a, of course not. But a, yeah, in, in your mindset, it, it, and that's what it ends up, because you believe that, it ends up you know, making you even less receptive to mistakes. But the only way to improve and to actually get better is to clearly and openly look at the things that happened and if they didn't go the right way, you can change that. It, it is everybody makes mistakes. Everything is constantly a mistake. It, it is impossible to not make mistakes. Uh, and a mistake is such a painful word to some of us that you know. You know the funny thing is, I think that the, one of the um, uh, I'm just going to talk about something that uh, I, I, it's actually kind of important to me, and that is, I, I think that the um, development of strong AI will begin to really advance when they understand that creativity is a type of mistake. And that is whenever you are, uh, like if you, okay, so uh, I don't know how many people have seen the the uh, deep dreaming things, uh, you know, with uh, like the Google AI and uh, all of that, where basically what happens is, is they, uh, it starts doing this pattern recognition where you see these eyes of birds and you know uh, things like that that keep like showing up uh you know over and over in this weird pattern but what's happening is that it's uh it's pattern recognizing something and, and you can actually you can cause once a neural network's been trained you can cause it to create a whole new picture that has never existed before in other words like uh, if it's been trained on birds that pattern recognition that you've seen, where you've seen the, the shitty version of it, where it's just going through all these recognitions that show pieces of animals uh, and things like that. Well, uh, those pieces of animals, if there is, that's that's the recognition and additive phase. If there's then a another phase where it goes back and forth, where it prunes it and then adds back to it and then prunes it and then adds back to it, what you end up having is the creation of a brand new picture. And so you can, you can cause creativity in a machine but the the essence of that creativity is faulty pattern